thank you so much for being here, for being a part of this. And we're gonna, we're just gonna get going with this, right on? So before you sit down though, before you sit down, go ahead and take a seat. Um, or say hi to our people. Give them a hug, give them a high five, and then go ahead and take a seat. We're gonna start. <laughs> All right, all right. Well, welcome. Welcome for being. Thank you for being here, being a part of this. I'm going to go ahead and get praying. We're going we're gonna to get started, so let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for tonight. Father, for your people, for, for those that do not know you. God, for those that are maybe far from you, that, maybe that feel far from you. God, I just pray that tonight the conversation would point back to you, Jesus. Father, there, there might be people in this room that are just going through things and, and pain and heartache. And yet there, there might also be people that are just living life to the fullest and excited about life. I pray, Father, that you would meet us in every avenue, every spirit, every perspective. And that ultimately you would be glorified. That you would be brought on high, Father. That we would glorify you in all that we do in every conversation that we have. And that someone here, even if it's for one person, would understand you in a different way. There's so many things that can get in the way of you, Jesus. I pray that tonight our hearts would be open, our ears would be attentive, our eyes would see what only you want to speak to us. In your name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, uh, so tonight we're going to switch things up a little bit. Uh, I got my good friend James. He's a leader here. He's awesome. Uh, he does a lot of the background stuff. He's like the organizer. He sets things up. He sends out emails, and, and we're just going to have a conversation. I was laying in bed uh, like a couple last week, and I, I had this idea in my head, and it was like 2 a.m., and I got up, and I was like writing, writing, writing. I just like felt like God was downloading something, and it, it was more of a conversation. So uh, I'm going to invite James up, and we're going we're gonna to have that conversation together. So give it up for James. We're switching it up tonight. Here, bro, let me give you this chair and I'll switch it. So thanks for being here, yeah, bro. glad to be here. Hey, uh, <laughs> I want to give it up to our worship band. They killed it today. They Let's did. give it up for them. Jenny, you're awesome. Thank Frankie, you, Jenny. Seth, Jenny in the band. Kai, and um, also all of you who serve, I want you guys to like, give it up for yourselves because, like, come on, give it up for yourselves because every week more and more I realize that we can't do this by ourselves. We can't. We can't. So it's, it's really all, beca all because of you guys. So thank you all for your hard work, your dedication, yeah. uh, for showing up. You could be anywhere else on a Sunday night in December, as Sammy said, but you're here. So yeah. we're just going to have a cool conversation. We right? are. We I'm are. And we, we just figured, yeah, we're going to sit down. That's the posture tonight. Just kind of lean back and just listen in. I, I, I would encourage you just open up your heart uh, because what we really want to do is distort your reality of church and distort your reality of, of, of uh, how we can perceive Jesus. And a lot of times it's by the way we were raised, by the things that we were taught, by orthodox, all those things. And so it goes into this idea of the things that we say, right? So what's interesting is, you know, um, we, we could be all saying something, but not saying the most important thing in the room, right? Or we could be saying things that are really important, but we all are saying something a little bit different. So, for example, if we all look up, what, what color do you see in the sky? What color is it? Blue. Blue. So let's, let's just do like an exercise to lighten things up, right? <laughs> sure. Um, what color is, everybody on the count of three, say the color of your car, okay? One, two, three. Gray. <laughs> that was kind of chaotic, right? <laughs> now, as to Sammy's point, on the count of three, everybody say the color of the sky. Ready? One, two, three. Blue. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> There's different shades There's of it, different right? shades of blue. That's true. Good point. Can we all say blue on three, right? One, two, three. Blue. Okay. We can even whisper it, right? Yeah, let's whisper it. Ready? One, two, three. Blue. Right? So we're all saying, we just want to get you guys involved with tonight, right? It's interesting that you can be saying something that's really profound, but say it in a lot of different ways. And the reason that this is so important to us is we believe language speaks volumes. You know, it's crazy. Language is actually sound, sound waves. And we're using our tongue, we're using our vocal cords. It's sound, right? So if I were in different languages, different tribes, 
I don't know what I'm going to say, but it's a language. Hopefully, I didn't offend anyone, right? But someone in another part of the world actually speaks that way. And so they can interpret it the very way they need to. It means something to them. Um, then there's different languages like Spanish that I wish I knew, but I just yeah. don't. How many of you speak Spanish here? <laughs> nice. I speak broken Spanish, right? Which is not, I mean, that gets me by here. But I was telling Sammy the story. I went to Portugal earlier this year. And if you've heard Portuguese, it kind of sounds like Spanish. So I'm like, you know what? I recognize some words. I would see words on the signs. I'm like, I'm going to be all right. I obviously... Like, foolish of me to just show up to a country and not even know how to speak a word of that language. But I was like, I'm going to try to get by with Spanish. So I, I got, like, the Uber. I'm like, uh, ¿puedes llevar al lugar, al hotel? Or me puedes llevar al restaurante? And he's like, huh? Like, look, I'm like, and I'm like, well, ¿cuántos, ¿cuánto tiempo? I mean, my Spanish is already broken enough, right? ¿Cuánto tiempo tienes aquí viviendo? And the guy looked at me like, I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, Pre prefieres que hablo español o inglés? And he's like, uh, speak English, please. <laughs> I'm like, why? And he ended up telling me, like, like, don't even try to speak Spanish with, like, people from Portugal. Like, it's worse. It confuses them. It's better just to speak English. And how, like, we're talking, we'll talk tonight. A lot of times we, we speak uh, a language that might sound very similar, but it... it because it's not exact, or I guess the understanding's not the same, it, it almost is counterproductive. You end up confusing someone instead of trying to uh, get on the same page as someone. Yeah, so we, we understand that, that a language, it's, it's an art, right? And uh, we wrote this down. It informs your culture, but it also, it informs your culture, but it also forms your culture. So what are the things that we're saying, right? And my mom would always tell me this, ever since I was a little kid, a little boy growing up, year after year, she's never missed a year of telling me this one passage of scripture. And it's in Proverbs 18. It's, it's death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the reason that is so incredibly imperative to understand is that what we say brings life or death. So the language is important then, we would argue, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, go ahead. No, that's it. Keep going. So, you know, um, it's, it's what we say and it's why we say it. So then we, we must ask ourselves, if we're here in this context, what is then the language of coin? Because I don't know if you know this, but we have a particular language. I don't know if you know this, but uh, Christians have a particular language. And that's where we get that word like Christianese. Have you ever heard of those, those sayings, different things? Um, so how do we speak? Yeah, I mean, I think speak? wherever you are, uh, on a given week, you speak a certain way, right? Um, we speak like we play basketball. Some things on when I say on the court is uh, <laughs> you can't shoot, right? You can't shoot. Or I got you, I got you, right? Or what's up, baby? What's up? <laughs> but if I were to walk into the office on Monday morning and speak that same language, uh, I'd to your be, boss, to my boss, I'd be raising some eyebrows, right? That language just doesn't suit that that uh, circumstance or that environment, right? So we have to really be mindful of the, not only the language we use, but uh, in what environment we use it, right? Um, and we're gonna talk about this, really, like a lot of us who have been raised in church, like speak this Christianese, or at least we understand this Christianese, and what we wanna kinda unpack tonight is that some of this language needs to be unlearned. And that's gonna be very uncomfortable, very awkward, because you, you got to tear down a lot of uh, ideas. Bad right? theology. Bad theology, really, <laughs> what it comes down to. Bad orthodox, bad beliefs. And, and bad I traditions. guess, yeah, exactly. And, and that can be, ne it's necessary for two reasons, right? One is because maybe those words, that lingo is archaic, right? It's just outdated. Maybe it was used 10 years ago, 20 years, 40 years ago. It just doesn't apply to our culture today, for one. And number two, uh, nobody really even knows what it means. It's lost its meaning. You know, there's a lot of words we can think about that, you know, what does that even mean anymore? Mm -hmm. You just hear it so many times that it just kind of becomes a cliche or just a, a buzzword. Um, so, yeah, like, yeah, why, so why do we say some of these? Like, <laughs> what, what do we do when we get to a point when we just don't even know what a true, like, the true definition of a word is? 
what does it mean? Right, and it, it's like it goes back into this this perspective that the the main goal really of of uh, the church, the main goal of what Jesus was was establishing here on earth was to reach people that did not know God, right? Because people, really, in in all reality, we are all broken, right? Like all we have to do is look at our heart the darkest part of our heart, and we see that we're broken. And no one in this room, I'll be the first to say, I'm like, I'm not perfect. And yet we, we have created this language that is almost, we forget that we're humans. And we, we look at the church, we look at the scriptures, and then we create this Christianese when the, the goal is just to reach human beings. So... <laughs> It's just it, like there's context, the language and the context of today, the language of the outsider. We say like we're for the one. What does that really mean? Have you heard that here? We're for the one. You can go on our Instagram. It says for the one. The whole goal behind that is that we would, we would speak in such a way that actually makes sense. Because uh, small things, these are like buzzwords that um, kind of drive me crazy. It's, it's, you know, like fellowship. That's all great. We love that. But for someone that does not know God, it kind of sounds weird. It's like, what is that? We're going to go fellowship over here. <laughs> We're gonna, and that? so again, like it, I know it, like we kind of can seem harsh and like, ah, but that's the language we're speaking, and we might be completely unaware that it, it already puts boundaries between that person and God. So it's like, why, why not just talk in a way that's actually human? Hmm. So we say for the one because we actually are for the one. We want to reach people and speak in such a way that makes sense for someone that does not and has never not, like, grown up in church. Just to show of hands, because I'm curious, how many of you guys grown up in church? Like, you grew up in the four walls in the church. What about those that are just, you're kind of new to church? Maybe you've been going, maybe it's been 10 years, 5 years. What about you? So, James, we both, we both grew up in the church, right? Yeah. You went to a Christian school. Um, I grew up, like, literally, I think I was born into the church. And so what happens is you, you go into church, and, and you don't know, but there's a particular language, and it's called Christianese. Have you all heard it? Christianese. So our goal and our desire and the, the conversation we wanted to have tonight is the things that we say that we, as a culture and as a tribe, as a people, as a community, the things that we don't want to say. Because there's a reason behind it. We're trying to break down all the barriers that could hurt, like, like get in the way of someone in God. Yeah. And so um, to reach humans, you have to speak human. If we're trying to reach Christians, we can speak Christian. So that's really important yeah, to I mean, us. What, are we trying to reach Christians, or are we trying to reach humans? <laughs> um, yeah. We were ready for that one, but yeah, I just thought um, it. And again, like this, I don't want to step on anyone's toes tonight, um, but the reason we started COIN is not really for the Christian. And this might like distort some of your like preconceived notions of church, but when Jesus came on the scene, Yes, he was for those that were Hebrews. He was for the Jews. But then it spread into those that were Greek, right? There were the Greek, and then, then there were Hebrews. The Greeks had no idea. What, so they were going through the same dilemma we might go through today. There was another language. You have to be circumcised. Like, why on earth would I do that? You have to, like, go through certain forms and practices, and there's this belief system that's built around just finding God. And I've even had conversations with people in this room that there are certain practices that you might have done when you were little, and if you didn't do that certain thing or that certain tradition or that certain practice, now you're separated from God. And that's where I get, I, like, that's what keeps me up at night. It's like, okay, so then when Kelly and I, when we, we got the team together, we started this whole thing, it was, we have to be okay that the, the conversations we have on Sundays might not be for the 99. What I mean by the 99 is Jesus talks about the parable of the lost sheep, and there's 99, and then there, there's 100 sheep, and one of them kind of goes off astray. And it's, it's for the one. And so it's like, how do we reach that one? Here's the thing, guys. People, you might even be in this room going through so much depression, anxiety, thoughts of just ending it all. And my goal, our goal as a team is to pull the veil of like this language of this 
Christianese perspective to pull the veil of it's not all about you as a Christian. It's actually for the one that doesn't know God. So it's very different. I understand that. I grew up in Chino. I, I love this city. I understand it. I grew up in a church where it was very Christianese. It was very about the 99 and not really about the one. Yet there were still little pockets of, hey, if you're a drug dealer, if <laughs> drug dealer, <laughs> if you're on drugs, if you got stuff, come church, come, come, come be here. You're a drug dealer too, though. Right? <laughs> you're a drug dealer too. Yeah. But that, that was what I heard when I was younger. So it was just people that were like in drugs that could come, that, like, that should come. But what about everyone else that's going through things? What about what everyone else is saying about people in society, right? Like, oh, you're not really welcome here until you get good. Mm -hmm. So it's like the language is so important to me. And I just was like, you know what, it might be lonely. And to be honest, at some times it has been. Uh, we started going in a backyard, right? And, and our whole goal was we're going to reach people that do not know God. And I believe that is really, it's sticky, it's messy, it should be. People are messy, right? That we got so much stuff going on in our life. But what we, what we don't want to do is use all these traditions that we have in the past because it's distorted who Jesus really is. Yeah. So I think what we were saying earlier, too, was we want to be able to speak a language uh, that someone who, who comes in on a Sunday, maybe they don't feel like they belong. We want to speak a language that they'll understand, right? Because, for one, that'll make them feel more comfortable, too, right? Um, but we were talking about Jesus, and if you actually read through the scriptures, you'll notice that a lot of times Jesus doesn't use biblical language. He uses very simple uh, analogies. I love that. Uh, he uses a lot of simple uh, references based on what he's around, right, within his environment. So he's out <laughs> in, in uh, the area of Galilee and north, you know, Israel and Judea, all that. And, and it's very hilly. There's a lot. I've been there. It's amazing. And he says, look at the fields, right? And he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. But Jesus was out and about. And he was using the language that was around him, right? I'll give you another one. The, the woman at the well that Jesus encounters. He encounters a woman at the well, and he pretty much reads her social security number, yeah. right? He, yeah. he knows everything about her. He kind of says, you know, yeah, you, you don't have just one. There's a lot of different husbands, and the one you're with isn't even your husband. You're kind of just, you know, he kind of reads her mail. Mm -hmm. And yet he, that he's by a well, and he says, those who are thirsty can, can drink, yeah. right? And it's, it's living water. So then as we, we look at that and we're like, that is really good content to like go tell people about Jesus. And then you go to someone's house. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've, I've experienced this like, do you, do you know that like Jesus is living water? And that sounds really good, but what does that really mean? Yeah. Jesus was by a well, that's why he said it. Yeah. So he used everything that was around him the environment that he was in, and so we can use that today. Basketball, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, soccer. Uh, there's so, like, I don't know, the list goes on and on. When I'm at Valet and I'm working and I'm with someone that doesn't know God, I use the things that are around me to explain what is simple. Mm -hmm. But if I'm like, hey, man, like, you're thirsty, you're like, man, you need some water in your life, the living water. It's like, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Does that make sense? And I get how that could come off as offensive. Believe me, I've, I get this. I get language, and I love it. But we want to speak incredibly detailed and specific, not really for the Christian, because the Christian gets it, for the one that does not get it. And so we will, we will position the language that we use actually for humans. Humans, yeah, exactly. Not for Christians. Christians, yeah. Fishers of men is another, right, that Jesus used. <laughs> Like, if you were to tell someone that, it really wouldn't make sense. How am I going to fish, fish a man? But he was on a boat with a bunch of fishermen. So it makes sense. Right. Um, yeah. So we have our own words here, right, at COIN. We have, like, HM. HM. <laughs> well, you got to explain what HM is because uh, it's kind of inside. HM uh, means high maintenance. <laughs> so if you hear HM, that's what it means. We have canceled. Wait, right? hold on, hold on. Don't HM is hilarious. <laughs> it's a call out. It's a call out. It started with you or Nelson? Oh no, it definitely started with Alyssa. One of, one of the one of the girls in the group was like, "Man, you're being HM." I think it was Jordan because she's in junior high, so it's, there's like language in junior yeah. high. You know, it starts there. Yeah. And it's like they were like, "You're being HM," yeah. and we we're like, "What is that?" That's mean? true. That's you're being true. high maintenance. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Because Not before bad. it was Visco girl. Visco girl. 
Visco, if you don't know, it's like an editing thing on yeah. an app. And think, so it's Visco. It makes your photos it. look yeah. really good for Instagram or social media. So it used to be Visco Girl. And then we heard like HM. Like, what is that? I but thought you it was a compliment like, at first. I was like, thank you. Like H&M, you know, like yeah. my style was And cool. we can say those things, and it's all great, and it's, it's amazing. That's cool. But like it, it's very, what's the word? Um, exclusive. Inclusive. Inclusive, yes. Inclusive, yes. It's very inclusive. So you could be, you know, hanging out, because I was a youth pastor, and there was always like, it's always the, the girls that love using the phrases, mm. and, because they're all high, they're all seniors, and they all had their language. And I remember being, they, they were very circled. It was a circle, and I was thinking, okay, that person's new, but like, they're not letting them be in the, you know, when you're standing around and you're just in a big circle, that's body language, mm. right? So I study this stuff because. I want to do it so that the person that doesn't know Jesus can actually get it. But it's also like EQ, emotional intelligence. So like I remember I'd see these seniors girls and they'd all be in a circle and they'd all have their certain language. So I would be there in the circle with them talking and then they had this like saying and they're all laughing. Have you ever been there? And you're like, oh, yeah. (laughs) You have no idea what it means. You have no idea. But there's their own language. And the problem with that is sometimes it could be like us versus like you. I think what, like to I that too. No, no, no. That's great for, that. for the visual. I think it it is good in a way, right? Because it brings unity within those those groups of people, right? It connects them that much more. They're speaking like a specific dialect, but it it can be exclusive too. It's inclusive and exclusive, right? Uh, because you're excluding others. What's the other one, bro? That. You had more. Man, we had a so, canceled. <laughs> that's kind of a new one. Salito. That's one we use as the guys. <laughs> Uh, what is this? I, I don't know what it is. We won't define all these, but <laughs> <laughs> you just got to live life with us. Um, but, like, as a tribe here at Coin, too, we have uh, Call to More. Like, you can't have been here, more, like, two or three weeks without hearing that one. That's a big one we live by. Uh, sharp Edges, Clean Lines. Uh, and for the one, like, these are ones, there's, there's more, of course, but th- these are ones that are very uh, tribal, I guess you could say, right, right. to yeah. our, our people. Um, Definitely not traditional. It's not traditional. So this is something we wanted to talk about. Um, orthodox. Have you heard that word before? It sounds very scary. You don't really know. Some people don't know what that means. But here's, here's the actual definition of orthodox. It's of a person or their views, especially religious or political ones, or other beliefs or practices, conforming to what is generally or traditionally accepted as right or true, established and approved. And so we hear this language of, Eastern Orthodox, Western Orthodox, the, the word Orthodox has, it's in the church. It's, it's, a, it's a theological term, and it's basically your beliefs, your practices, and what you might conform to. And the beautiful thing about Orthodox is a lot of times, many times it's true, and it's rich, and it's amazing, but it's also, it could be defined as a practice. And so we could be practicing something that was in the 1900s here today, that was just a practice. It wasn't theological. We could be like bringing things from the 1950s here that doesn't make sense, but it's just, it could be orthodox. And so the reason we bring that in is because we take the Bible and the words and we think that it makes us biblical, right? So we use orthodox and then we use the things in the scriptures and just because we use the things in the scriptures, we think now we can make everything biblical. Mm -hmm. But the problem with that is, you see, I wrote this. We are biblical but not orthodox. I have to unpack that because I know that that doesn't make, it's kind of interesting. We're biblical, meaning we're going to look at the scriptures. And you mean we as? We as coin. coin right? We're going to abide by the scriptures. We're going to practice the scriptures. We're going to read the scriptures. We're going to look at it for what the scriptures are. I, I, I love theology. So you, you just get what the actual true author intended. And I just, we just don't want to make it something that is outside of certain beliefs and practices. What, what does the scripture say? That's what we're going to do. So we're biblical but not orthodox. If you are orthodox and not biblical, you will be fine. What does that mean? So bro? you're basically saying if you are traditional but not biblical, you're okay, right? At least from an outsider perspective? I would argue yes. If you look at churches, and, um, Martin Luther, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther on, on Halloween, right, October 31st, he did the, the 99, I believe it's 99 thesis. Correct me if I'm wrong. The, the thesis that he, he nails on, on the, 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 the walls. 
uh, the door. And the reason he did that is because he was a theologian. He looked at the scriptures. This was when there was a pope and there was all this stuff, right? He looks at the scriptures and he says, we're having people, this is crazy to me. This is orthodox, bad. They literally had people within Catholicism. If they had sins, then they would have to pay a certain amount of money. So when you paid the money, your sins were forgiven. So then, because the church wanted money. So then they would take it to, and by the way, no one knew how to read the scriptures. Only the theologians did. Only the priests did because they went through the practices. They understood the Greek and the Hebrew. So they could say whatever they want, and it could be biblical to them, right? So this, this is what blows my mind. I remember reading this in church history and, and being really bothered. They would say, like, every time you hear a jingle, like, someone else that is in hell can go to heaven. So basically, if, if your grandma died and didn't know God, well, you can pay a certain amount of money and and you are getting them from hell into heaven. So pay the money, and, and an angel, like the, the, the jingle of like the coins is going to help your grandparent or grandma or sister or brother get to heaven, so pay. And no one who knew the scriptures would just abide by it. And so then it becomes orthodox. Does that make sense? Not biblical. Yeah. Traditional. So Martin Luther's reading the scriptures, and he's saying, wait a second, it's justification through faith, not works. This is work-based. You can't, like, basically what they were saying was you have to work to get to God, not just believe it and accept it. And so he's reading the book of Romans, and he's being blown away, and he's actually almost killed. He has to go in hiding because he says, I'm going to write the scriptures from Hebrew to Greek to the common language. And it changed everything. The people that wanted the money and the priest and the popes, they didn't want the regular people to read the scriptures. Did you, do you know this? Like, it's crazy to me. Like, certain churches in the 1940s, 1930s, even the 1900s and, and before that, you couldn't read the Bible. You couldn't read it. Only the priest could. And so this is where we get bad orthodox and bad theology. So we say if you're orthodox and not biblical, you'll be fine. But if you're biblical and not orthodox, you will be in trouble. What we're doing, we just want to look at the scriptures. But some people might have a problem with that. I'll give you an example. I, I, know I want I'm to ask you a question too, though. Uh, when we say fine and, and in trouble, in whose eyes are we, are we talking? So like, you know, you said if you are orthodox and not biblical, you will be fine. According to who? According to the church world. Church world, right? And if you're biblical and not orthodox, you'll be in trouble. Right. To the church world. Yeah. So the, You'll be ruffling some feathers. I talked about this last night on our team night, the story in John with a woman caught in adultery. Okay? I had a conversation with someone who <laughs> were on the conversation of um, homosexuality. Okay? What the scripture says is true. We, we look to the scriptures. But we miss the mark sometimes on love. We miss it. We miss the mark on love. And so what we want to do is we want our orthodox, which is our beliefs, to say, you can't serve. You can't be a part of what we're doing. You can't be here unless you fix yourself first. You, be you are living this way. Got to change it. And now you can come and worship with us. You can come and serve with us. You can come. And Serving and leadership are two different things. And so I was having this conversation, and, and it was, we have to judge people. Scripture says to judge. And I don't, I mean, the Holy Spirit judges. The Holy Spirit convicts. God is, does all of that. Billy Graham said it best. It's God's job to judge, the Holy Spirit's job to convict, and our job to love. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Grandma Liz, come on, Grandma Liz. So, so I, I, remember, I remember I was sitting with this individual because I was saying that grace is more important than judgment. Judgment is important. We need judgment in our lives. But what about grace? I think when you look at the scriptures, we want to be biblical. You look at Jesus, and he was all about grace. There's a story of a woman caught in adultery. What she was doing was wrong. She was married, caught in adultery by the religious people. She was brought in the city courts, and the law says to stone her. Jesus, what are you going to do? We got a stoner, 
right? And, and I don't know if you know the story. Jesus says, well, those that are without sin, cast the first stone. And it was all true. Everyone had sin. So the scripture says from the oldest to the youngest, they left. And then Jesus says, I do not condemn you. And no one here, like where are your, con- like where are those that are condemning you? I don't, there are no one here and I don't either. But what he says is go and sin no more. You know that? He says that. But what did he do first? He loved her. He showed her grace and mercy. And so when, when we look at like today's orthodox, it's the other way around. And I only say it because I grew up in it. And it drives me crazy because I believe it's grace. Yes, Jesus was very like, go and sin no more. But sometimes that, we, we, love, we love to judge. Yeah, that is one of our culture points that we talked about last night at the team night. Uh, we're grace over judgment, right, as opposed to judgment over grace. Right. As you said, uh, you spoke very well to describe that Jesus, like, just showed grace and love. That's, the, like, very seldom, if at all, did he judge, right, without casting or, or showing grace and I don't, on that. And I don't know why we think that we get to judge people. Like, where, what was it? Where was it? What, where did that happen? Mm-hmm. Um, now, there's a big difference between someone doing something wrong in, in, in regards to the scriptures. But if you don't have equity with that person, like, you're just distorting the beauty and the wonder and the power of Jesus by just going up and letting them know that they're a bad person. Everyone knows that we have sin in us. Like, we all know it. We don't have to argue that. We all know there's something within us that needs life. But for some reason along the line, we thought that because of our orthodox, mm-hmm. we, we, we have a right to do that. Yeah. That's what we mean by that. Yeah. And, it's gonna, and, and I understand it's going to come off offensive. People are going to be bothered by that. People aren't going to like that. And you just kind of have to decide if this is the type of community you want to be a part of. True. But we're just going to love more than we're going to judge. Good. So we're talking a lot about traditional orthodox. Let's talk about today, right? A lot of, uh, I guess, the language that we've created technically hasn't come from the scriptures. I'm going to list a few. Yeah, and it, it's become church jargon. Too, church jargon, right. Where it's like it's lost its, its value. Yeah, so uh, let me pray about it, right? That's one. Have you guys right heard here? that one? <laughs> let me pray about it. That's wait, wait, no, a... wait, let's, let's unpack that one okay. for a second. When I'm not trying to, I think it's just the, lang- the things we say, right? So I have a, a buddy, a coworker of mine, he's really funny. Like, we talk about jar- jargon all the time. And I'm like, hey, bro, do you want me to go get this car and bring it up? And he's like, let me pray about it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I just need to, okay, I prayed about it. You can go get it. And it's like, those are the things that we do that we, we don't realize we're doing it. But it's like, where did that come from? You know what I mean? Prayer is incredible, incredibly essential. But sometimes we say things that just, like, do we really know what we're saying? Yeah. yeah. You know? Are you really going to pray about it, or is that just like a way to say no? It's also <laughs> another way to say no, right? Let's be honest. Come on. You know, it's like if someone comes up to you, if you're a people person like me, I've used this, by the way. I have used it's this. It's a great cop-out, right? It's a cop-out. It's yeah. the best cop-out ever because now you're- How can you argue against that? You know, right? I did this. I got to say this because I did this to Kelly. I did this to Kelly when, remember Kelly? I blamed God for wow. what I wanted to do. That's bad orthodox that can hurt kelly could have been so hurt she could have never talked to me again i was in bible school mr holy in bible school and i remember i called kelly up because i knew i just didn't want to date i didn't want to date i hate kelly i just got to take a break i don't want to but like we were talking and it was getting good again and i was just like and i was talking to my roommates and they're like yeah man it's probably not a good time that you're dating and so i remember i called kelly up i was in the prayer room i'll never forget i was in the prayer i said kelly you know i, I prayed about it and and uh, I just don't think God wants this right now. And Kelly, what do you say to that? What do you say to that? The truth was, I just didn't want to date at the time. Like, I was playing the God card. Have you guys heard that? That's bad orthodox. That could really hurt someone. And we're going to do everything we can to get that out. That's Christianese, bad, bad, bad Orthodox. <laughs> Sorry, Kelly. You know I love you. <laughs> you guys are married today, so that's cool. Uh, God, shut the door. Right? Shut the door if you don't want this, God. Um, Have you heard that one? Um, like, you know, uh, we, we don't want to talk about God opening the doors, but we want to talk about God shutting the doors. I talked about this last night. I learned this from my brother. I truly believe. Look at the book of Acts and Paul's journey. He had every right to say, 
I think God shut the door. I think God shut the door. But no, he was in tune with what God was doing in his life. And he knew that just because it got hard doesn't mean that God's not in it. But we love to use this Christian language of, and mind you, that's between you and God. I'm just saying, I've done it. I'm only saying this because I've said this stuff. No, I think God shut the door on that. And it's like, I don't think we worked hard enough. <laughs> I don't think we, we did everything we possibly could to make this a reality. And when God shuts the door, he will. I just think we use it way too much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, how about, I'm not in a good place. I think probably none of us are in a perfect place. But a lot of times we use that as an excuse as well, right? Yeah, and I wanted to, we, the reason we wanted to talk about this is because we wanted to set, the, set it straight. We understand that, that everyone's in a journey and going through something, you know? There's, there's, there's life, there's, there's pain, there's brokenness, there's things that are going on in your life that you, maybe some of you just like, I know I'm not supposed to be doing, but I'm doing it. And so the reason I, I hear this when it's in regards to serving, I'm like, hey, join the team. We love you so much. Like, help us, like, tear down the, oh, no, man, like, I'm not in a, I'm not in a good place. And... I honestly, these are the things that I ask myself. I talk to God about this all the time. I, I, I can't sleep at night because of this. I'm like, what was it that made that person think that? Where along the line in their life made them think that because they're in a bad place, they can't serve the house of God? It's a hospital, if you didn't know. The church is a hospital. Jesus talked about it. So it's almost like, this is what they're not saying, but really saying, I got to get good out here before I can get good here. And we're missing it because the only one that can heal us is God. Mm -hmm. yeah. The best place to be is with God. So we wanted to say that because we want you to know, like, it doesn't matter where you're at in your journey, there's still something you could do. Mm -hmm. And it actually brings beauty and wonder from within you. It helps you work through things because yeah. now you're around community. Yeah. And this is another thing we want to talk about where just, we don't want to jump too much on is like, like overusing the devil. The devil did it. The devil did it. But I will say this. The, the enemy loves to lie to you and say yeah. you're not good enough. You shouldn't be there. Because he, he knows that when you get in community, when you get around people, when you get around people that love you, when you get around people that want to speak life into you, there will be something within that's internal that lights up. And God did that. So when we remove ourselves and isolate ourselves because we just don't think we're good enough to be here, the enemy is all about that. Yeah. And that's the biggest first step. Like if you don't take that first step, you can't get you can't get better. Like is if we're using the analogy of the hospital, like you have to admit yourself into the hospital to get well. Mm -hmm. Like you you could be dying and sitting on the outside cuz you're like, "Well, I'm kind of messed up." Yeah. It's like, yeah, that's why you're here. Right. Right? Absolutely. Um, John 21, 17 says this. I think we'll have on. it on. I want to oh. say something think, real quick. Please, the last please. one. Go it's going to feed into that. I'm not getting fed. Oh, yeah. Have you guys heard that one? We had to talk about this. Sorry. <laughs> We're going to distort some stuff here. Who has heard that? I've said it, by the way. Nelson. <laughs> okay. We might just land the plane here. I know we're running out of time. Um, let me read the scripture before we go in, because this is, this, is like this is what we're all about here, right? John 21, 17 says this. He said to him the third time, this is Jesus talking to Simon, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Jesus said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So is it really all about us being fed? Is that what it's actually saying? Because we looked it up. Yeah. We looked the Greek. We looked up the, we went into the details. And it actually can be translated. Tend, right? Into tend. Tend my sheep. There's a difference between feeding and tending. Now, what Jesus was saying is to feed the church, mm -hmm. grow the church, speak life into church. But what we have done is, is we say, because I'm not getting fed, I shouldn't go. Right? Mm -hmm. But yeah. the problem with that is it's now self-centered. Yeah. So here's the thing. You can eat whatever you want throughout the week. You can. You can do whatever you want. I do. You can live however you want throughout the week. <laughs> you can live however you want throughout the week. But for some reason, we think that it needs to be different on Sunday. And I get that because it's a holy place. It's, it's an amazing, beautiful place. 
But the problem is if you put too much status on pastor, yeah. then you remove yourself from your job. Mm-hmm. It's not my job to spoon feed you, friend. That's actually between you and God. It is our job on a Sunday to present who God is, his beauty and wonder and power. But it's not my job to feed you, mm-hmm. so to speak. Because mm-hmm. what happens is, and I want to read this quote from, from a, an author that yes. we love. It says yeah. this, is it really all about us being fed? I think it might be important to remember that over 60% of Americans are overweight or even obese. Is it possible that this is also true in the arena of personal spirituality? Are we too much about us getting fed and too little about us exercising our faith? Feed my sheep versus tend and take care of my sheep. A herdsman and a shepherd needs to herd Mm -hmm. and tend the sheep. But there has to come a point where we must grow into become shepherds who feed others. Does that make sense? Where... I'll brag on Gabby for a second, because Gabby, if you know Gabby in this community, I remember where she was at when we met in the, in the backyard, and she just was like on fire, and it was like, I didn't have time, sometimes we don't have time to sit with someone every day and open the scriptures, and, but like she did all that on her own. They got, they got, there's Bibles out, she asked, hey, what, what should I do, what book should I read? We gave, them, we gave her the information, and then she just ran with it. And to me, what, what, what did it for me was, wait a second. It's not all on me. It's actually between them and God. The scripture says to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Yeah. So when we make it as if it's like, now it becomes victim. Mm-hmm. So when I hear that, I got to be honest. I know this like, can really like ruffle feathers. That's not what I'm, it kind of is what I'm trying to do. When, when I hear someone say, I'm not being fed, I get really bothered because it's bad orthodox. Yeah. It's not about that. It's about you having a relationship with Jesus, and he, the Holy Spirit will speak to you much better than I will. Yeah. He will talk to you. He will speak to you. He will lead you. He will guide you. The problem is we're making an excuse by saying, we're not, I'm not actually reading the Bible like I should. I'm not actually praying as much as I should, but I'm not getting fed on Sunday, so it's your problem, not mine. I think a lot of times, too, like, if you ever hear that, like, you, you could ask someone, like, what do you even mean by that? Like, what right. is the expectation? What does that look like? Right. Because I feel like a lot of times people who say that maybe couldn't even answer that. Right. Yeah. What does it look like to get fed? You know? Is that rhetorical or are you asking? Rhetorical, I guess. Yeah. But, like, you could ask somebody, <laughs> if anyone ever asks you that, like... You could ask. I mean, I don't know really what that looks like. Absolutely. I don't know what that looks like. I don't like. either. Um, but I do know that, like, that's more or less like a 99 mentality, mm. right, as opposed to the one. Yep. And, again, we're for the one. Um, I read something, too, in the, that, uh, that we've gone maybe from being here to serve a lost and broken world to what does the church have to offer me? Like, we, we've switched that mentality to kind of a self-centered uh, Very narcissistic, you know, all about me, all about I, what can the church do for me, right? And it's actually, it shouldn't be like that. Jesus, his, the greatest thing that I love about Jesus, he said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. Mm-hmm. If Jesus said that, our rabbi, like, that is, the, that is being biblical. Yeah. I want to live by that. Yeah. So everything I do, I want to serve and serve and serve and serve, and it's not about me. It's about God, and it's about the person that doesn't know God, because I'm in the 99. I'm good. I got my community. I got Gabby to call me out, and, you know, I got you to call me. I got, but what about the person that doesn't? We're going to be much more focused on the one over the 99. If you want to talk about 99, that's where midweek comes. Yeah. That's where all that, you know, we're, gonna, we're, that, we're here for that, yes. But when it's like, I'm not getting fed, that's not our problem. That's between you and God. In a loving way. We love you so much. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. So, um, hey, we, we can bring the worship team up. We're going we're gonna to end. Um, but I wanted to read this passage in, this, in um, the, book of, the chapter, book of Luke, verse, uh, chapter 19. Nine. I'm sorry. Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. It says this. He entered Jericho and was passing through. This was Jesus. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. If you grew up in church, you know the song. 
Zacchaeus was a wee little man, right? That's church. That's too churchy sometimes. He was a, a, a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see him, to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must. Notice it says, I must stay at your house. So he hurried and he came down and he received him joyfully. And when he saw it, he, they all grumbled. He has gone in the guest of a man who is a sinner. By the way, bad orthodox of the day. You see what I'm saying? Very judgmental. Not what Jesus wanted. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he has also is a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. We see the story of Zacchaeus. And there were so many things in the way of Zacchaeus' life. There were people, there was obstacles. He wanted to see the real Jesus, the true Jesus, the Jesus of Galilee. But there were people in the way. And I'll say it like this. Sometimes there can be bad orthodox. Sometimes there can be bad theology in the way. Sometimes there's distortions. And we just have to look at the scriptures and say, who was Jesus? I want to know him for who he really is. I want to understand him. I want to live by him. I want him to lead me and guide me. I don't want to do it the way the church has done because sometimes the church gets it wrong. What has and how has Jesus done it? And I've noticed time and time again that it was all about grace with Jesus. It was all about grace. It was all about grace. And so this is our language. You know, the language of grace is really important. You know, it was a, it was a common, it was a command. Jesus said, I'm coming to your house because I know what's going on in your life. Like, you don't really have an option. I'm coming to your house. He didn't say, hey, Zacchaeus, can I come to your house? He knew his heart. He knew what was going on in his life. And so he reached out into the depths of his soul. And he said, I'm coming to your house because we need to talk. There have been people around you that have pointed their finger at you way too much, Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus just wanted to know Jesus, but he was afraid that Jesus would judge him because he was a tax collector. So I wonder today how many people are afraid to come to church because we have done something that has gotten in the way of Jesus. We have said something that wasn't but biblical. We've acted in a way that was, I'm better than you. And we've distorted who Jesus really is. And so I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know who you're connected to that needs to know the real Jesus. And that's what we're all about here. That's our song. That's what we want to do. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and even if you don't believe in God, I think we, we want to carry that mindset that he believes in you. Right? He believes in you. We have a verse, one more verse. Um, it's in Romans. It says, we can understand someone dying for a person worth dying for and we can understand how someone good and noble could inspire us to selfless sacrifice but God put his love on the line for us by offering his son in sacrificial death while we were of no use whatever to him. basically he died for us while we were still sinners right so like obviously that, that he believed in us enough to sacrifice his son and I think a lot of times we are, like you're saying, um, sometimes in the way of someone seeing the true Jesus, right? We, we see Jesus, but maybe uh, there are Zacchaeuses in our life or in our circles that can't from their vantage point. So the goal at COIN, the language, the things that we say, we want to distort the bad things we say. <laughs> We want to talk in such a way that has purpose and meaning. We're all on the same, wave, same wavelength. We're all saying blue together really loud. Even if we're whispering it, people can hear it. Yeah. And so it's really important. This will always be our song. It will always be our song. And if you have a problem with that, that's okay. We can work through it together. 
We can talk about it, but at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, what did Jesus really want to do? And so um, we'll, we'll end with this. Grace grows the church. And it's not about numbers. That's not what we mean by grow. Grace grows people. Grace speaks to people. It's grace. We talk about it over and over. I light up when I hear someone's story where they're like, they realize the light turns on in their head. Wow. Because of who I am and what I do, God still loves me. God can still use me. Here's a scripture. We'll end here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It's not you. You didn't do it. You didn't accomplish it. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. It doesn't matter where you're at in this room. God can do great and mighty and powerful things in your life. But we just, us, don't want to get in the way of you and Jesus. We, our language is really important. The things we say is really bad orthodox. It's like we don't want that. We want to talk just about who Jesus is and that it's grace, it's grace, it's grace. So I don't know if we have it on the screen, but this is our vision. We're going to say it, and I want to say it tonight because it, it, it just speaks to this. Our vision is to reach all people from all backgrounds for one purpose, and it's Jesus. Right on? So we're going to end in worship. And um, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, if you have friends that don't know God, if you have people in your life that need distortion in how they view church, bring them here. Because this is the place that we're just going to speak Jesus. And we will do everything that we can to show people who Jesus really is. That is our goal. That is our mission. That is our call. And we're not going to stop doing that. So let's pray and we'll end in worship. Jesus, thank you so much, God, for, for tonight and for this conversation. And God, I, I know even right now this, this took a long time for me to process, Father, this, this conversation of what did, this, what did you really say? And we, we don't want to get in the way of someone that is on the lifeline searching for life. They're searching for more. They're desperately wanting something to bring them out of their pit. But Father, we know that it's not condemnation that will get people out of their pit. It's the love of who you are. It's not anything that I can do or that someone here in this room can do, but it's only the message of who you are. It's only your spirit. It's only, who, it's only God that can save people. It's only Jesus and what he did that can save people. So Jesus, may we sing that song. May we be the type of people that is ahead of culture. May we be the type of people that doesn't care what people will say, that doesn't care about those Pharisees or the, the bad theology and the bad orthodox. God, I pray that we would remove that and strip that and get that out of our language and speak the language of Jesus, which is a language to humanity. So speak in us, God. Move in us, Lord. And be like, just do something new in our heart, God. Do something fresh in our mind. May we work at it in fear and trembling. We love you so much, God. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I'm going to invite you all to stand up one more time tonight. We're going to just praise the Lord. We're going to praise you.